Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And I got to tell you a little story, fellas. I'm, I'm of course, joined by PC Tony and, and David Ungar, Mr. Saturday Night, and the lawyer himself. Uh, everybody knows I work at a university. I work for the University of Massachusetts, and I do supervise students. And this past weekend, as we're recording here, was move-out day for the winter break. So everybody's going out. And I oversee these desks that, that kind of handle the checkouts, and, they're, and they're, they're staffed by students. And some students today, uh, or the, the other day, discovered that Patrick O'Dowd does a podcast. And anytime the students learn about this, the first thing they want to know is like, where do we go to find it? And I was a little worried because I was like, well, it's on this website called thechairshot.com. And it's it's been a little walky lately, but they brought up the website and the website looked good. So I'm feeling good about our website after some woes. Is that is that thumbs up from Mr. PC Tunney? Welcome back to the website. We are also available on all kinds of other podcasting platforms out there. We are available on Spotify. We are available on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and many, many more. So if you don't like going to our website, which makes me sad, you should go to our website. But 
If you don't, you can find us on some other places where you would like to stream your podcast on a daily basis. As I mentioned, PC Tony, live studio audience here, David Ungar, the lawyer here as well. I, uh, Tony, I recorded this week's Saturday Night Live. I haven't watched it all yet, but with Kate McKinnon hosting, uh, I was interested. You don't ever have to waste any more DVR space on recording it because it is instantly available on the cock without commercial. That's nice. But I, I like started it Saturday night and, and oh, I had this okay. old no, man just, going. Like yeah. I was watching it. I was watching it and then I was like, shit, I'm in my mid forties and I'm like, should I go to bed now? <laughs> like, uh, maybe I should go to bed now. Yeah, I haven't I watched bed. it. It's, I was like, it's 1230. Ugh. Listen, I haven't watched it yet either because I, out of character, was up late last night playing cards. Didn't get home till like quarter to one. So we'll have to check that out probably Monday after work. Dave, how weird is Saturday Night Live being on at like nine o'clock in the evening out there on the West Coast? Or do you get it on a delay? Is it, is, uh, a lot of stuff gets delayed for you guys, doesn't it? Yeah, it, stuff mostly gets delayed out here. Like uh, SmackDown doesn't come on till like, 11 o'clock your guys time or well your your time yeah. pat because we don't get the live feed unless it's on fs1 then we get it live for some reason but on on fox huh, interesting but yeah not, the network not, huh? they try to get more they try to capitalize on the west coast prime time as like they do with that's right. fair this, you know right but I, so I, i'm glad so, that they, so it's really like saturday night live to tape that's right saturday night delayed that's that's saturday night is. saturday night live to you live sort of that sort of thing. I, I'm glad to see that the website's fixed. I was thinking about bitching at Greg about, hey, stop debating me on Keith Lee and fix the fucking website. But I guess he already did that. So, you know. All right. And that will be Dave's only wrestling talk for today That's as right. he has now dropped SmackDown and Keith Lee. Wow. Both nothing to do with what to we do. That. I didn't even try. I'm, I'm always watching. I'm always watching. All right, Awatu. There you go. I, hey, I am the number one chair shot villain for a reason, and I have to uphold, maintain the integrity of the gimmick, and that is that is what I'm going to do. All right, it is just the three of us today. Noble listeners, Ray Cash, unfortunately, could not make it for this week's episode. That's okay, because he has not kept up with Doom Patrol, and that's where we're going to start today. We are going to wrap up the season four of Doom Patrol, the season and series finale of Doom Patrol with episodes 11 and 12. We have a slightly smaller trailer park, but still a solid trailer park this week, as well as our usual news around the Nerdosphere stuff. I'm excited for today's show. Uh, I think I think we got a lot of good topics, some stuff that'll be fun to talk about. And so, you know, without any sort of further flowery adieu, if you will, without any more talky-talky, Dave... Let's hit some Doom Patrol music and get this thing rolling, okay? Guys, I'm kind of glad that I made the decision and the call that I made last week on the show to do episodes 11 and 12 together as, as sort of one thing because the two the two episodes 
really felt like a series finale. And Tony, I get that you're done with this show. Uh, and so I'm not going to let you ruin my holiday season with this angry face because I quite enjoyed these last two episodes taken as a whole as a series finale. Uh, I, you know, Dave got his, his speculation was correct that we got um, Timothy Dalton and Niles Calder back. And the episode, you know, episode 11, where they're, they're caught in the time stream, at least most of them are caught in the time stream with the exception of Rita. Every single character has their, their kind of moment of truth and coming to Jesus with Niles uh, or in the case of Madame Rouge themselves. And that propels them to the end of the series in the final episode. And so particularly I was worried, and I think I said this, I was worried about satisfactory resolutions to stuff. And in particularly Jane, like I was worried about how the crazy Jane story would work out. I'm glad to be wrong. I felt like that that her in particular in episode 11, being able to basically have one last therapy session with with Niles, where he helps her finally admit what's been holding her back and actually brings all of the personalities back together. And we now have a character known as Kay which is short for Kaleidoscope. Loved that one the most. Also, not going to lie, I, I had an oh shit moment when Cliff threw Niles and we learned that Cliff's the reason that Niles was in a wheelchair. That was that was an interesting little twist. What a twist. Um, so for, for episode 11, I just loved it. I loved how everything catapulted into the second half of what I would call the series finale. Dave, we'll, we'll, let, the, uh, we'll let the Grinch of the episode go last. Let him let him hate all over. No, just kidding. I mean, I almost like messaged you guys after watching 11 because I watched it earlier in the week and I wanted to message you guys and saying that felt more like Doom Patrol than anything else in season four. I mean, that really had the Doom Patrol feel and, and, and also kind of the, you know, the unavoidable march to the end of this thing. I mean, I would almost be surprised if Tony really hated these two episodes and I, I don't think he did, but we're going to find out. Uh, it's the gimmick it's like it's the gimmick it's the story Um, i agree with you having you know you talk about niall's last session with Kay. um he cures her i mean that's really what happens is he cures her and and you know she has to admit that thing that the twist with cliff being the reason that that niles is in in a wheelchair uh that was that was kind of like eye-opening for cliff and and in the grand scheme of where things end up you know that that's a big moment as well. Uh, you know, you got the stuff with Rouge. I, I loved a lo- I loved episode 11 just because it, it had that Doom Patrol feel. There's some wacky stuff going on. There's some things you're not expecting. You know, Cyborg finding out that he's talking to his his kid uh, and, and that he's actually communicating with the future and that this kind of is like, well, what? There's longevity over here. I, I don't understand. And it's like, just trust me. And it's like he ends up having to trust his own kids. So, yeah, I thought uh, episode 11 was great. And then, you know, at the end where they decide to go back, even though they know they're facing certain disaster. Um, they're like, fuck it. It is what it is. Let's do it. Tony. Episode 11 was very good. It was very fun. It was a good ending to what was a very mediocre season. If someone would have told opinion. me what, tw- if someone would have told, well, that's what we're here to give. If someone would have told know, but me, you, you, you laid it out. Like it was fact. You know, it's in your opinion. That's, that's my job. PC, someone would have told me, <laughs> I, I still got the thought. I if know. someone would have told me what episode 12 was going to be, 
I would not have watched it. It was just pathetic and stupid, and I didn't need it. I didn't need all the closure on all the characters. What happened at the end of 11 was good enough for me. So whatever. I just didn't enjoy that 12th episode. I thought it was unnecessary. Wow, because that 12th episode is the thing that many fans get pissed that they don't get of a show, which I think is very interesting that you want you you did not like that there was resolution. That's hilarious to me. There was um, resolution at the end of 11. Not really. Like not really. That was the thing that was that was great about 11. You wanted a big fight at the end, didn't you? You wanted something bigger in 12 between Amortis and the butts. It's okay to admit it. Just say it out loud. It's fine. It's fine. You got this something, was a, you got a, something bigger. This was, this was, this was not a great season. They, they, they hit Broadway and became stars. So you know, he got something for a bigger. thousand years. It was that's great. Right. A thousand year uh, run. That's it's, unbelievable. It's crazy to me, Tony, that you think you're right in this, this regard. Wrong, 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 you're wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. At least and in that, my, my opinion. Friends, yeah, yeah, that, my friends, is your opinion. So let's get into this because I did think it was really interesting. So episode 11 was really all about them finally fixing themselves, all these threads. Uh, and, and maybe you quibble that it's a little too neat that, may, that, that, that the journey felt a little unheard. I don't think it did because I didn't really think it was kind of a culmination of what they've been doing all this season. Even when I whined about how mopey season, episode 10 was, this this was the this was the one that got to the guts of it and got the back. And at the end, they yeah, they they have Jane slash K pointing out that maybe they don't need their immortality back or their uh, I'm sorry, their uh, shit longevity back, not immortality. That's that's not what they, they didn't need their longevity back that whatever whatever was facing them, they would get through it together. And that's when we finally get the best joke that we heard from the uh, from the trailer of now Jane's giving the inspirational speeches. I, I I liked it. I also liked that episode 11 was a great send off to Timothy Dalton because we hadn't seen him as a part of the show and he is the show like he's the episode in episode 11. Would you guys like to see a kaleidoscope series or or or, you know, movie or something? Yes, but that's because I want to see more of Kaleidoscope and (laughs) Casey and and their relationship. Space case. Space (laughs) case. There you go. That could be, you know, like the uh, the live action version of Harley Quinn. But the two of them and their adventures in space, it would be different than the live. Like, but I see what you're saying. Like, I get what you're getting at. But like that, like Harley is 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 special. Special. This is K and K. Hey, there's like, potential I, though. There's potential. Hey, Casey, there's potential. Um, Dave, good send off for Timothy Dalton oh, and Nas Calder. I, you know, I'm going to point it out when we get to episode 12. I'll point out something to Tunny why I disagree with him about about episode 12, and I will draw an analogy to his favorite show of all time when I get there. But uh, Timothy Dalton, you know, he was the originator of this whole thing. This whole thing started with him. And unlike some of these other shows that you never get to see the main the main character who started everything when these series come to an end, you got a whole episode with him and all the storylines involving Timothy Dalton and Niles Calder. They all get kind of reconciled. And, you know, we even get a a Kiplinger sighting at the end of this whole thing, which was cool to see him at the end of uh, at the end of everything with Cliff. But, 
Yeah, I thought I thought Niles Calder got a good send off. You know, it resolved a few things. He was instrumental. I, I mean, I I would have liked to have seen some more interaction between, say, like you know, him and Larry or him and Rita. That would have been kind of cool to see that as well because those two characters are so integral to what Doom Patrol was. Um, but you know, I know I know Larry's interaction with the uh, the being that left him previously was important, and Rita had her own issues going on. I mean, she's the the catalyst behind them, you know, going into the time stream more, or well, not going into the time stream, but uh, yeah, but I, getting back to your question, I think, I think Niles got a good send off Timothy Dalton. Great seeing him for one episode. And he was a huge part of where they end up going in episode 12. Let me, let me just adjust here a little bit. I said, the last thing I said when I dogged episode 12 was I didn't need all of that. I appreciate the bits and pieces of where they got to there, but I didn't think it needed to be 50 minutes. So basically what I'm hearing is that Tony had a lot of grievances with this episode. The last one? I Yeah. Well, that's what I'm hearing. Are we at, are Like we at I'm hearing line? him say this. Like I'm hearing I him say I got a lot of problems with you people. This is what I'm hearing. We are oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to hear you wanted to hear the whole thing? We are getting close to Festivus. It is. It's getting close to that season. Oh, I wasn't going to play the rest. I, okay. you, you haven't heard it. It's fine. I've heard it. Uh, okay, it. let's talk about episode 11 because I, here's the thing. Tony is sitting here and be like, I didn't need this. And I'm like, I got I got emotional when Cliff died. Like when Cliff dies and he's like touches his grandson and he looks and sees one that his grandson is kind of like him. Like, like in a lot of it, like that he's a little bit of a fuck up too. Like and he sees the, the joys and the pains and the heartaches and the good and the bad. And, and he just is like, that's it. I'm done. And he like, and that's the last image we get of the series. Like I got a little choked. I got a little choked. Ring the bell for me. I I can do that. And I can tell you that I also invoked a reaction in me that, that sequence, because immediately after I went to Twitter and I was like, Hey, at Lego group, can we get a, at doom patrol cliff robot man, Lego helmet, please. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool, but that was great. It just was was great. That was a good part for me, Dave, you, you were to, no, I was going to say episode 12 is it's a difficult one to place. I I will say this. And what I was going to say is like, you compare this series finale to lock and keys series finale and the lazy booking that they did at the end of lock. Sorry, Pat wrestling reference, but you get it. The lazy booking they did at the end of uh, lock and key where storylines were kind of resolved in the laziest way possible. I appreciate the fact that they took, so much time to not leave basically any stone unturned. And they they brought everybody's story arc to a resolution. And, you know, some of the resolutions are are happy. Um, you know, even Rita's resolution, she dies, but she gets re- reunited with Malcolm. Awesome. Um, Jane becomes, you know, everything K. all at once. Yeah, She's K. K. She comes everything all at once, that sort of thing, and goes off on a uh, space journey with Space Case. But... Yeah, Cliff at the end. I, I think that was really, really well done because you kind of saw it coming, but then it happens and you, you're like, you don't really have time to react or grieve for it. Like it happened in the, you know, he powers down the credits roll. I found myself just kind of like staring at the credits for like a minute trying to process it going, wow, that's how the series ends. And um, I thought that was right. really, really, really well done. I mean, Tony's right in a way that, it was the uh, Lord of the Rings ending, right? Or Return of the King ending, where it just kept kind of going on. Okay, this is going on a little bit long. 
Um, I get why they see. Did I, it. Did, I didn't feel like it went. Long. I don't feel like it went on long at all. It tied up every thread. It, and, it did. It did. And that that does that's not a waste of time. The the finale of Lord of the Rings: Return of the King was a waste of time. Like was that, that was a, a waste of time. Of, yes. But was that the early reference to my favorite show ever, Dave? <laughs> Let's talk about how you felt about Lock and Key season. Oh, that one. I say if you're going to compare series finales, there's no comparison. This was infinitely better. And I think Tony, you would agree with that. Yeah, sure. Can I I just say one thing? I didn't need 50 minutes. 15 would have been fine. That's all I'm saying. The first 15 were the Immortus and the Butts thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, we needed to wrap it up. We needed to to get that resolution. And uh, I, again, liked it. Liked it quite a bit. You know what? The one thing I didn't like is that we never, we never saw um, Niles's daughter, oh, Dorothy. Oh, Dorothy. Well, yeah. they, never saw Dorothy. They reference her but saying it, that the manor. She told Casey that the manor would be empty. So right, like we know that, but but like of all, like when was the last just, time we? She, I, her? I mean, ten. That's that was my point. Yeah. Is that I think it was like episode six or seven. No, not no. She was in she early was, parts of this. It's in nine or ten. Like, yeah. Nine or ten. Like, she was in there towards, like, in the second half here. But it was just, it was later. Like, it, like she was there. It just was interesting that she wasn't in this, uh, this these last two episodes in any way. Other than Cliff refer- referring to her to Niles trying, and explaining yeah, to him. Trying to convince him. The other thing that I think is really important to, to, to note here about Doom Patrol and what you hit on with Cliff dying out of nowhere, it bookends the series because the series opens with Cliff dying in a car accident, becoming Mr. Robot Man, and then it ends with him dying uh, from his Parkinson's in the car with his and he died and, and it's in a car, both of them in the in that car dying. Like it is very much an intentional bookend to the series. And I mean, also a great observation. Oh, good. No, I, like Robot Man kind of the role that resurrected Brendan Fraser's career a little bit, right? He was, he was kind of like, you know, ever since he did that, then that he, and the whale, the whale was the yeah, whale. The whale really, was like, like a couple years after whale, he was robot man. Wasn't it? I mean, it, this was kind of like the first, no, thing. they, they were, they were around the same time. Uh, let me see. Let, let's look into this. The whale that was, well, I guess that was 2022. Yeah. Dave. So it's really hard to reach the peak and heights of Encino man all the time, you know? <laughs> And, and I would past, I would argue yeah. that yeah so Doom Patrol came out in 2019 uh, and was you know maybe his first foray back but people really started talking about him after the whale like the whale was was right. the big one so right. um, but I, I agree with you I see what you're saying there like it's like well wow Brendan Fraser's in this where's he been it's been a long time it's it's just it's very interesting to me uh, that the Cliff book is this we talk about quintessential Doom Patrol by the way Rita's funeral yeah. slash cremation that's doom patrol to a t like well, she wants her body burned she's trying to have it be this solemn thing people start putting things next to her that she doesn't think are are good representations of her oh, like alcohol ghost, based ghost right. like complaining. yeah it's like here's a collection of things based. that yeah yes that can make you seem vain and an alcoholic that's what we're gonna put in here exactly and then and then, and then of course when they set her on fire she starts burning really fast and they're like oh it must be the alcohol and then she her form devolves into the blob and starts expanding and and of course when they pop her she uh she stinks she smells like burnt rubber uh it was it was so funny 
it was so funny. And that was that was Doom Patrol at its most Doom Patrol in that episode, if you if you ask me. So uh, well played to to that end there. And yeah, overall, how are we feeling about Doom Patrol as a series? Tony's giving it a thumbs up. Dave, what sort of final thoughts do you have on, on Doom Patrol as a series? Oh, it's it was tremendous. I mean, you know, it's one of these. And I know we didn't review the first two series on the show, but we came in for three and four. And I mean, Tunney was the one who, in all fairness, was the advocate for Doom Patrol and Lock and Key as well in the early days, saying, you guys need to watch this. And uh, it's, it's all right, Tunney. That, that show, first two seasons were great. We don't know what happened with season three. But uh, Doom Patrol is I mean, one of those. Sh- huh? No, yeah, go ahead. Now, I, I think, you know, Doom Patrol is, is one of the most... Um, out there shows that there's that there's been anything that we've watched just kind of the the eclecticness of the characters the craziness of the stories things that we saw through four seasons that are just like what did i just watch um no other show that we've reviewed or that i've watched i mean you know i people i I, like i've talked to my daughter about it so you got to watch doom patrol because she's just got done watching the boys i'm like you will really like Doom Patrol. It is a similar but very different sort of experience. I mean, the boys is crazy as well. Doom Patrol is a little bit more crazy. Um, so I think it oh, was... Oh, I don't know about that, dude. Well, like, yeah, people aren't going up. People. You, 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 had, you had Ant-Man. You had an Ant-Man, yeah, run into a, 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 a dick hole and explode. <laughs> like that's... Ass bombs and that sort of... But then again, we got a gender, yeah. gender queer street in this, in this show. So... Um, they're comparable. I, I, I love the show. Yeah. I think like the last season, you know, especially the back half, the second half, they were, they were burdened with kind of like, I feel like they didn't realize it would be their last season until they were told, Hey, this is it. And then they had to kind of go and figure it out. Um, so I think they, that slowed it down a bit realizing, Hey, we've got to tell a story about Immortus, but we also got to bring all this stuff to an end. How do we balance that? Some of it was balanced better than others, but ultimately I think, um, I love the show. I love the series, you know, and there are stuff like Tony says, there are some openings there where they can continue with, with Kay and with Casey uh, cyborg, you know, he's going to go on to do bigger and greater things with the justice league. I mean, that's, that's not, you know, Larry got a, a good send off with one Oh four in the cosmos. Rouge is burning down the ant farm. So there's still, that some, was great too. Yeah, that was, there's still some, some, some stuff that they can tell if they want to. And I think right. that's important. I think you hit it on the head, Dave, that this is something that was very different. It's very unique in its own way, and it's really hard to explain to someone to pinpoint it down. It's easier to just have someone watch it because the first the first three seasons are just nine, nine out of ten. Right. And the beginning of this season, I think, was solid as well. But I think the layoff didn't help in between. And there was just some there was two or three episodes in the last six that really just didn't hit for me. Um, so overall easily like an eight out of 10, highly recommend anybody watch this. And it's something I had never even heard of before the doom patrol, uh, until this series came out. And like you said, the Brendan Frazier and the, and the ensemble, uh, members of this cast that come in and out are just excellent. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this series. It is one that I would have trouble to, describing to people. And yet at the same time would be like, I think it's worth a watch. I think you need to give it a look. And so be interesting. People will probably be able to watch it on Tubi soon, but that is for later on in the show. 
what we are going to do now, though, is we are going to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, we will do a little trip to the trailer park, talk some news around the nerdosphere. It's going to be great. Stick around. You don't want to miss it. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. Patrick Dog, PC Tony, David Ungar regaling you with all of the nerdy goodness remember if you love what we do here on this podcasting network head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot invest in a chair shot shirt christmas time is really really you're up against it if you have waited this long people you're up against it now you gotta pay for that fancy shipping you gotta pay for that tracking number you gotta like follow everything around you gotta fork over the big bucks good thing for you a shirt is only $19.99 and for a few dollars more, it's only soft style. You get it for soft style. Feel great on your giblets. And remember, if you buy the next Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt, the nerds will thank you. Patrick will your house and give you a foot massage. I will not do that. That is not a thing that will happen. <laughs> what will happen is I will thank the username on the podcast for investing in us. Okay. It's been a busy three weeks for trailers and this week no different like every time i think maybe maybe we're going to slow down a little bit we get some good trailers and and that was no exception but before we could talk about any of that dave it is time to hit that beautiful banjo Welcome into the trailer park, gentlemen, as well as to all of you, our wonderful listeners, the nerds. Four trailers this week. We're going to kick off with one that I was skeptical about. Saw the trailer. I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And that was the trailer for the Netflix exclusive film, Beverly Hills Cop 4, Axel F. Here's the thing. As a big fan of Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, Beverly Hills Cop 3 does not exist. We don't talk about Beverly Hills Cop 3. It's not real. It didn't happen. Uh, Just like the TV show that was supposed to happen following Axel Foley's son didn't happen. Neither of those things exist. I thoroughly enjoyed Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. 
Uh, I love that we we had Foley, Taggart, and Melrose together as that oil and water team taking down the seedy underbelly of Beverly Hills. I'm a nostalgia kind of guy. You can sign me up for this, especially since it seems like Kevin Bacon is also in this movie. And so with the legendary Kevin Bacon sounding like the bad guy in this, how how can you go wrong? Paul Reiser came back. Everybody's back except for the people who died. Like that that's it. Like the guy who played uh, Bogomil, he passed away sadly, and so he is not in this movie. But everybody else is back. I am in to watch this on a random Tuesday night at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Tony, go ahead. You look like you're about to chime in there. You you left me one. You left me one. You left me Bronson Pincho. I oh. did. Aquel, I'm the same boat. We, you guys started discussing this in the bandwagon nerds chat. And I think I caught the conversation at work after it already ended. And I don't think I really commented at all, but I love the Axel Foley character. I mean, I was kind of on the fence and then I watched the trailer and like the fact that everybody's back and you know, it seems like Axel Foley has to continue to now reinforce the fact that you can no longer dance again. So Kevin Bacon is now the villain. Um, but the fact that Paul Reiser's back is great and all these different people and I'm in on it. I was just the second I watched the fucking trailer and I heard looks like Tony's going to watch this now. Dave, I think that I'm done now. I can't top that. I'm not even going to try to top that. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, I love the Beverly Hills. I don't even think I saw Beverly Hills Cop 3. And after your description, I'm going to continue to avoid it. Um, no, it, it looks good. They brought back all these people, like you guys are saying, nostalgia running wild, nostalgia mania running wild in this trailer. And um, exactly. I'm all for it. I think it's uh, it is definitely going to be worth watching. If it's a Netflix thing, then going to check it out. Can't wait to see, you know, Eddie Murphy reprise this role, which is one of the it is one of the quintessential Eddie Murphy roles from back in the day when he rose to superstardom. It's, it's one of them. And I think, you know, seeing him reprise that is going to be really cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, the big thing, Kevin Bacon, the legendary Kevin Bacon, how could you go wrong? You can't go wrong. Uh, you know, Legend- it, and it, I don't know that he's the best. He's a police captain in the he's movie. He's got to be the dirty guy. Dude, be, but, can, can he it, played like he sounded like a bad guy. You know, it'd be the, the best. Thing? My, yes. The best thing would be if his name is Ren McCormick. So he became went from Footloose. <laughs> it's it's not. It's his name is Captain Grant. <laughs> Listen, in my in my very humble place in the O'Dowdocracy that runs bandwagon nerds, I suggest we bandwagon nerd review this when it comes out. I think we're all in on it. I'm sure. I'm sure we can find time to to check that out. Uh, interesting. Look, the uh, the the new addition that is kind of exciting as well. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is also in this film uh, as Detective Bobby Abbott. So interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But nostalgia is all the rage. Here's the thing. I don't think Beverly Hills Cop Axel F is going to set the world on fire. I like. I remember when. Eddie Murphy in his sort of nostalgia read redux tour. We did coming to America too. We nerd reviewed that as an article and it was fun for what it was like. It wasn't a great movie, but it was nowhere near the original, but that's a pretty high bar. It, this, it this feels is probably same. in the same boat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It feels exactly the same. Exactly. And you're going to laugh. <laughs> one thing that, one thing that really did warm my heart though, 
is that when we finally did see Rosewood, sorry, I called him Milrose, Rosewood and Taggart. Uh, I don't know why I called him Milrose. I don't Milhouse. know where that came from. Milhouse. Yeah, maybe I just combined the two. But Rosewood and Taggart, uh, when it's Eddie Murphy in the backseat of the car between Rosewood behind the steering wheel, Taggart on the passenger side, and him talking to him in the middle, that's just the way things should be in Beverly Hills Cop. Like, that's the way the universe should work. Um, so, yeah, it's going to play out my nostalgia, but I'm I'm here for it and can't wait to check it out. Moving on to a movie that I'm not interested in checking out. And, and surprisingly enough, The Little O'Dowd. The Little O'Dowd, when this trailer played, so the Little, o'dowd, little O'Dowd and I went to the movies this weekend. It's become a thing. This is the third weekend in a row, and we'll talk about it and watch it, watch it. But one of the trailers in front of it was for this movie we are about to discuss here. And the trailer hits, and he looks at me, and he's like, why? No, no. And that was the trailer for Kung Fu Panda 4. That's right. Jack Black back for yet another run as um, Poe. Is that is that his name? I don't even know. Um as the as the dragon as the dragon warrior, this one seems to have a new enemy known as the chameleon, who as a chameleon takes on the powers of anybody they touch or something along those lines. Uh I don't know. Like it's you know, it's the latest run. Here's the thing. So this wait, movie's gonna make bad. Rogue is in this it's movie. It's gonna make a ton of movie. Who is? Rogue. Basically, yeah. yeah. So like the chameleon who uh I'm trying to see if I can find who is playing her, and it doesn't say. Uh, it's um, it's Aquafina, isn't it? No, Aquafina plays Zen, who is oh, a little wolf or whatever, little like a little rabbit mouse thing that is the one that he is walking around through the criminal underground. That's oh. Aquafina. Um, oh. Here's the thing: is I will say to its credit, it seems like the like I'm looking through the cast right now. It looks like everybody's back. Lucy Liu's back. Angelina Jolie's back. Seth Rogen's back. Um, Brian, Jack Black, Jackie Chan, um, Ian McShane. You heard his voice because you do see in the trailer Ty Lung come back. Dustin Hoffman is reprising his role as Shifu. James Hong is reprising his voice as Poe's father. Seth Rogen is back as Mantis. We we also see that Brian Cranston is in this with a voice. Viola Davis is, is doing she, a voice in this. Is she the chameleon? She might be. That's oh, yeah, it is. It says right yeah, there. Viola Davis, say. chameleon. And and Ki Hui Kwan getting all kinds of work, baby. And you love to see it. I love to see it. He is playing a character named Han in this one. Uh, and I'm not familiar with Kung Fu Panda. So if you're a big fan of Kung Fu Panda out there, and that is somebody that we like has been in every series since, I don't know, you know, since, since it started, I was- my apologies. I was hoping that OB got his choice of whatever timeline he wanted to go to, and he went to the Kung Fu Panda universe. <laughs> One would hope. The trailer looks good. It looks like it's going to be funny. It's just another Kung yeah, Fu it's Panda gonna, movie. You know, it's right? going to make a bajillion dollars. Like it's yeah, going to make a bajillion sure. dollars. It's going to be fine. Yep. Uh, I, I just again when 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 it ele- when when my eleven year old son who still loves childlike animation films like he wants to go see. The migration movie, the one with the fucking ducks flying south for the winter. I don't that know if you've seen good. this trailer. That looks he, good. He's like, I want. He's like, I want to see this. By by me, they have it in Screen X. Oh, that's how much right. they're p- pimping that one. But but Kung Fu Panda four, he was just like, but why though? <laughs> and we know the answer to the question. We know the answer to the question is money. Like we, you know, it's the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. There's my reference for today. Um, 
I, yeah, I didn't have this. I didn't have the soundboard up to hit it in time. I'm sorry. Like I get it, but like why though, Dave? You're a big Kung Fu Panda fan. Why? Why should we go watch this movie? We I. <laughs> <laughs> when my kids were young yeah that was one thing but they're all older and you know gone on to college and stuff like that so look like you said it's all about money it's a beloved franchise uh there is no originality in hollywood so we've got to lean back on our old standbys that we know are going to make money kung fu panda falls into that category the kids will love it i look great more power to them that's fantastic the kids will be very happy with it i could care less i i don't it's a fun, right. whatever, whatever. And for me, like, I just don't know how many different times it's because it, it's the, the story for Kung Fu Panda has kind of been the same every time. It's like Poe needs to find his next like level as the dragon warrior. And now he's, you know, going to be taking over some like higher plane of existence of mysticism. It'll be fine. Let's skip to a movie. I'm extraordinarily excited to see as we got our third look at dune part two and here's the thing about dune part two that got this wrestling realist as tony would say a little nipply excited like a little nipply excited i saw this trailer at the theater on a giant xd screen sandworms not just one sandworm three sandworms in all of their glory coming at me this Everything that I see about this movie, March cannot get here fast enough because, damn it, it is it is epic as fuck. Epic as fuck. I, God, I can't wait for it. I just need it to hurry up. And damn the writers and actors guild strikes and the production companies for fucking this all up because we should be seeing it a month ago. And we're going to see it in March. And everything I'm seeing from this trailer... Yeah, dude, if I had one of those screens that you're talking about, Tony, available, I'd go see. I was going to ask you. Yeah, I I don't know that there's one in my area because this is built for it. I can maybe go catch it in IMAX uh, in Connecticut in a theater that's just over the border in Connecticut. And I'm thinking about it like I'm thinking about it. I'm going to jump out of the way real quick. I've I've never gotten into dune it looks spectacular and i'm sure the story's great and it looks like it's just a wonderful production but i have too many other things in similar universes so i'm i'm happy for patrick o'dowd and i cede my time to dave other universes and we're not talking rebel moon today tony uh that's that's another that that's a hard pass for different reasons hey it's up to 23 i saw the uh, looking at it oh good for it and the audience scores up to 78 Anyway, um, well, that's, that's Snyder fans just being Snyder it fans. Is, it Patrick is. Patrick secretly wishes he had his own Christmas present today of DJ being here for this show so he could roast him on that. I'm sure. Oh. Um, yeah, Dune Two. Uh, man, the trailer looks phenomenal. Oh, hold on a sec. I gotta I gotta like settle down. I pictured that a little bit. Gotta, <laughs> you got you got nipply hard for the second time in the last five minutes. Man. I'm a, I might need to go take a break for a minute. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Someone go get him a glass of he's, water. He's got to go lay in a dark room for a while, you know, just kind of relax. Um, no, I think like what you're saying, Pat is right. This trailer looks tremendous. It looks phenomenal. It's got, it's got everything you could want. Uh, the trailers have progressively got better. Sandworms times three is a terrifying concept for anybody, but I, I like it. And, and the trailer does show the relationship of Paul and I forget who the characters in day plays, um, what her name is, but she's the main, uh, what are the nomadic tribe? What are they called in Dune? Oh, geez. Uh, you're going to make me like remember stuff. I'm just, 
Hold on. I'm sorry. But um, no, I, I think, you know, that looks really cool how the development of the relationship between them. And then this trailer introduces like a new bad guy, uh, somebody who looks like the bald guy who looks like a, a mutation of something. I don't know what that is or who he is, but he looks menacing as fuck as well. So the Fremen, the Fremen, the Fremen are that's, the people. That's yep. the way. Um, so, yeah, this this trailer looks great. I I, I enjoyed the first movie. I remember when we reviewed it on the articles and stuff, I was always like, I, I want to see the second one because I think the two of them combined will make the, the two halves will make a much bigger hole in that sort of thing. And Austin Butler is the character is the actor for the character, Fred Rautha Harkonnen, who is basically he's the youngest of Baron Harkonnen's children and the presumed heir to his empire and his house and is a ruthless ruthless fucking killer was portrayed by the musician sting in the uh 1980s dude thing which he is so bad because he overacts and is terrible and don't don't watch that movie um watch this one because it looks so much better right but yeah yeah let's get to to march yes march cannot get here far soon enough last film this uh last film slash trailer that we're going to talk about today um John Krasinski's been busy, you guys, and we got a trailer released this week, was also running in theaters uh, of his newest output. It is written and directed by him. It is the movie titled If, starring Ryan Reynolds as the primary character. However, and if, by the way, folks, stands for imaginary friend, and the concept here seems to be that Ryan Reynolds, along with a child who I cannot find the young actress's name because she's not listed with like top billing on the, on the cast thing on the cast list. But Ryan Reynolds's character, he can see uh, imaginary friends that have been abandoned by their, by their children who have imagined them. And this young girl also can as well. And the two of them are trying to do something, are trying to save them from ceasing to exist. There is a, another world filled with these imaginary friends and to say that this is a loaded cast is the under I'm going to read this list because this I this blows my my mind. And it starts with Matt Damon and his imaginary friend voiced by one Steve Carell. However, on top of Steve Carell, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Sam Rockwell, John Krasinski's in it, Vince Vaughn, Aquafina, Sebastian Maniscalco. Fiona Shaw, Richard Jenkins, Christopher Maloney, Maya Rudolph, uh, Kaylee Fleming is the name of the little girl. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah. Bobby Moynihan, John Stewart. Like, like who didn't sign up to do this movie? Bro. Liza Colon Zayas. Louis Gossett Jr. is 87 years old. So kudos to him for being in this. And doing a movie. Yes. And coming out and doing and doing a voice, I'm assuming voice work for this movie and a distinctive voice that is this movie uh, based on this trailer uh the little doubt is is kind of like yeah i'll probably go see it if you want to go see it i think it looks very charming and a lot of fun um not sure entirely what it's you know where it's going or what it's going to be fully about but i am um i'm excited for it i'm I'm looking forward to it and I, i will probably I'll probably pay to see this this looks like a good family film opportunity for me uh with the little doubt so uh, count me in Tony. what do you think of this trailer? I thought it looked amazing. 
I thought I was like John Krasinski. Holy shit, man! You have like an amazing imagination. Um, how he pulled off getting promotional consideration paid for by the following. Christ. Hey, folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with. Whoops! Second commercial, a little bit early, but that's all right. That's Angry my, Lemonade. That's I don't know how that go is. to AngryLemonade.net. Couldn't even tell. Yeah, we'll get we'll, um, get, we'll, we'll get back to that later. Uh, <laughs> my, my fault. Uh, continue. No, I, John Krasinski, creative genius. Um, I loved Steve Carell being the main character. I could t- pick his voice out right away. Like just iconic from you know uh, the Office to Groot or to um yeah Gru right is his name in in um Despicable Me. He plays Gru. Think so? Yeah. 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 Steve Carell does. Right. Um, it felt. Like it gave me Wonka vibes for Ryan Reynolds character being like in control of the imaginary friend verse. Uh, I laughed my ass off when he tripped over, like who creates an, who creates an invisible if, (laughs) but this is going to be so marketable and capitalized on (laughs) use in, in, in this country gigantically. I see this being happy meal toys or whatever, and Christmas plushies. And this is going to have multiple, multiple movies there's going to be if two and and everything else and i think it's excellent dave i very creative something completely different yeah i think i mean i, I was mentioning you know lewis, lewis go ahead sorry i'm sorry i just want I, one last thing came to me in a land of way too high a percentage of recycled ideas here's something new and creative and inventive and it looks just super cool yeah it does and i think like uh you know <laughs> I mentioned Lewis Gossett Jr. Next to F. Lee Emery, this is my favorite drill sergeant of all time from his portrayal in An Officer and a Gentleman. Just fantastic. But that notwithstanding, Ryan Reynolds' progression as an actor, this guy is like, you know, he can do no wrong. I think we mentioned it last week, talking about all the things that he's done lately and just everything he touches turns to gold and how he's gone from fucking Van Wilder to this character who he repeatedly appears in these feel-good movies free guy adam project now you've got this as well um the evolution of his character in in into what he's turning into as far as the movies are concerned and of course deadpool as well let's not ignore that because that's the other side of the coin but yeah this looks really fun this looks like a, a different concept like you're saying tunny we haven't seen too many things done like this as pat said the voice cast is second to none that is a beyond stack cast right there so yeah i you know it's one that i'm sure there's enough grandkids running around here from on my wife's side of things that i'm sure we will get to see it at some point in time and it it does look very marketable this has sequel potential written all over it like you said tony this is going to be a good one ryan reynolds he doesn't miss that much anymore well and i don't think john krasinski really misses that much either like he has proven himself to be a pretty darn good director and writer And this totally is a completely different shift from, you know, A Quiet Place, which is where we were. I think that's the last thing he directed or made. So, um, well, but that, yeah, that was still one of the great troll jobs of the MCU is the Illuminati appearance that, that we had there. But okay, let's move out of the trailer part and gig back into some news. We're going to start with our, our favorite. Our favorite executive in all of the world. As soon as are you okay there, Dave? Oh, I've been sick all week. Just dude, my yeah. voice was shot earlier this Dave. week. I did not know I was going to be able to do a show in like two days ago when I got my voice but back. Dave, Dave, you look good. You sick? I was. <laughs> That's an old joke. Sorry. Oh, 
Hey, I just turned 55 yesterday, so the brain is not working. Or, Happy belated, by the way. Two, yeah. Two, yeah. Two, thank you. 255, right? I mean, I'm just basing it on what you wrote on your uh, on, on the DM thread. Like you said, you were 455 years old. Yes. I said you didn't look like, look like a day over 270. So good job. Um, okay, so our favorite Warner Brothers executive, David Zaslav, added again as news hit today or not today this week to be the free to stream service run by fox i do believe it's ad supported has struck a deal with warner brothers discovery to stream dc movies including the batman suicide squad like basically the snyderverse films outside of justice league and the justice league extended edition as well as superhero series batwoman gotham Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. That's going way back. Um, I, you know what? Okay. Like Zaslav is, is, has, has, you know, I thought about this. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. I think like he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And this is the latest thing. My question to you guys actually is less about your reaction to this news. And I mean, good for you. If you get Tubi. I've never watched anything on Tubi. It is an option, an app that like my television throws at me to like try and download an ad, which I mean, if it's a free, if it's a free to stream ad supported, whatever, like what's the harm? But uh, wouldn't it be just the absolute kick in the nuts if that Batwoman movie ended up free to stream on Tubi in an ad supported tier where they make some revenue through an ad supported tier of people watching through Tubi? And how much watching would they get on Tubi if that Batwoman movie were to end up there? You mean Batgirl? Or Batgirl? Yeah. Is I thought it was Batwoman. Nah, was it called Batgirl? Batgirl. My bad. Batwoman was a series. I, I mean, Ray uh, Cash. Whoever, will, like, Ray Cash will watch it how many times in a row and support it all on his own. So uh, it would be something, you know. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, all kidding. You're talking about like Rebel Moon and the horrible review scores, and it's like, man. I made the joke that they're probably going to... I know they delayed it, releasing on Netflix by at least a week. And I made the joke last night that they're probably like thinking, hey, can we use this as a tax write-off? This is going to be awful. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them try something like this. It's funny to me because it's like basically the DC Universe is for rent now on, on Zaslav's you know, party. He's like, anybody who wants to stream it, here you go. Just pay me something and, and you can have it for a while. And, and it's interesting because as bad as the movies generally are, um, they're still very marketable for streaming services, especially like somebody like Tubi, who's free. It's like, hey, we need something as kind of an anchor. These DC movies, you know, they they're not reviewed very well, but they generate some traffic. And um, I think that's a smart move on Tubi to say, okay, sure, let's go and do this. Let's spend a little bit of money. Let's, uh, you know, Warner Brothers make some money. Zaslav looks like a genius, even though he's not. And Tubi gets some additional content. So, yeah, I mean, okay. That sort of thing, but but you're right. I I I do adamantly think that Batgirl movie shows up somewhere one of these days. If the Snyder Cut can come out, Batgirl's not far behind. Tony, you gonna go on Tubi to watch Batgirl when it hits? Probably Tubi not. on streaming. No, no, probably not. I don't think I was gonna watch Batgirl either way. Um, but I hope it for Ray's sake it happens. Um, I know like he's wishing upon a star, so we'll see. I don't I don't really care. I mean, if if it's just 
if it allows people to watch the content at least somewhere, then I'm fine with it. It's better than keeping it under fucking lock and key and not like letting people watch it. That's just ridiculous. Or Nobody having to watch, to watch lock, lock and key. Or, yeah. yeah, or having to watch season three of Lock and Key. Stop, that too. I didn't try to stop saying Lock try and Key, to make Tony. That, You're invoking uh, something. Uh, lock and Key. Uh. Like, if you look in the mirror five times and say Lock and Key, what happens? Beetlejuice shows up. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, Zavzlev. What are our opinions on Zazlev these days? He's doing what he said. Here's the thing is, I still don't like the guy. I still don't like the guy. He's doing what he said he was going to do. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to feel anymore, guys. He's clueless as far as public relations. Let, let's get that out of the way. And, and everything, he, everything he says in the public spectrum of things is just... Um, <laughs> It's just like, it's like, dude, you got blinders on. You're way out of touch with what you should be saying. But from a business standpoint, you know, Warner Brothers isn't doing that terrible. And, uh, you know, it, it, they may be, I, we're not going to talk anymore wrestling and what they may or may not do. That was my, that I'll, was I'll my leave, reference I, will I was going to get to I use here. I will leave it to you. Um, but I think, you know, Zaslav, from a business standpoint, he's made some some difficult decisions and some hard cuts and pissed Ray one Ray Cash off very much, but I think he's being smart with the D. This is this is the DC universe for all of its faults. Like I keep saying, is their most marketable property, and he's maximizing that to his effectiveness. So I think from a business standpoint, you could say WB might be doing a lot worse, and and, and they may be on the precipice of turning things around with uh, whatever James Gunn has got. If Gunn stuff takes off, then you know we may see a, a big turnaround, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I think he's doing, he's doing, like you said, Pat, he's doing what he said he was going to do and they're doing okay for it. So you can't fault him too much from a business standpoint. Tony. I, I don't know. I mean, he just, he feels kind of dirty, doesn't he? It feels like it's kind of like, eh, I don't really want to be associated with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but then, at the, but at the end, I feel like DC is so far away from, the point in time where they go, oh, we need to have all our content back under one tent because it's important because it's not like the guy who does the Robert Pattinson's Batman doesn't even want to be a part of the DCU. He just wants to be his own thing. Like that's his choice. He wants nothing to do with what James Gunn is doing. So I just think it, if for DC where they are right now, we're so far in the in the rear view of where they need to be um, to even have to worry about that. So I'll, I'll just go back to my other point. It, the fact that he's making money for that company, fine. And the fact that you can still see it somewhere is is still better than not being able to. Yeah, it's an, it's interesting. Like you were saying, Tony, like uh, all the DCEU EU stuff that doesn't count in Gunn's universe being outsourced to whoever wants it, you know? So, yeah, now when James Gunn starts releasing things, I think you're going to see that's going to be WB exclusive and, you know, for quite a while. It's true. Um, I just, it's crazy. He's he's both an incredible dick and maybe an evil genius. All right, last news story before we take our second and final commercial break. We've been we've been waiting for this. This is this is the sick dog that finally got put to put to rest. As it was announced officially this week, this past Tuesday, that the Inter- Entertainment Software Association announced they are they are the primary um, company behind this convention that E3 wants the biggest video game showcased on the planet is officially dead. Now, it's crazy to see how far this thing has fallen with and, and I say crazy in the sense that it, I it's it's very much to me 
was just so much ingrained in what in that sort of cycle of entertainment and what was coming that I never really thought it was going to go until it became clear that it was going to go. Uh, because kids, for those of you who don't remember, E3, like that was the showcase where every major video game company, um, console producer, anybody who was anything to, that had anything to do with the video gaming industry, they went to this showcase and showed off their products for the next year. E3 was it. And what's been interesting is seeing the slow, painful death of E3 as various producers of content and video games started to do their own thing. Nintendo now has their own thing. Uh, Sony does their own thing. Microsoft does their own thing for Xbox. Uh, even at a even at major like production companies like Disney, you'll see information about video games coming out under their umbrella and product to the point where E3 was literally nothing. It was, it was just, it was literally going to be nothing. And so for them to finally announce it, it, it's long overdue and finally done, but I will, I would be disingenuous if I didn't say it's a little bit of a sad day for, for me, at least, you know, 20 years ago, me, where E3 was where you went to see what was coming next. And it, that was the place. That was the place to be. It was every biggest, it was every bit as important in the video game world as Hall H used to be in the entertainment, you know, popular culture entertainment industry from San Diego. So with that said, Dave, I think you shared this article. Rest in peace, E3. It's officially dead. There's a, a main major re I mean, you look at businesses that got impacted impacted by the pandemic and e3 is one that never recovered because prior to 2020 e3 was still going pretty strong you know they still had a good turnout yeah nintendo had done the nintendo direct thing but e3 was still a pretty big deal pandemic shut that down they never recovered everybody's decided to follow the nintendo model and do their own thing you know like you're saying sony did their own thing microsoft did their own thing ubisoft did their own thing they used to be a big part of e3 Electronic Arts did their own thing. They used to be a big part of E3. So once all these big companies decided to go and do their own thing, there was nothing left. And it's not like an E3 was always a trade event. It wasn't like something that was open to the public. You had to be involved in the with the industry to even be there. So you have all those factors combining. We're not bringing back the in-person stuff until it's too late. Everybody else went and did their own thing and their own, you know, doing their own shows through their own channels. And it still was never open to the public. They were not going to re recover from that. And this is unfortunately the inevitable conclusion of it. So yeah, it's it's shocking that in the span of what, three years, it went from being the biggest show in, vi in the video game world to gone. And that's, I think COVID had a lot more to do with that than just about anything else. Tony, I know I you're, you know, in your friend group, you're not the bigger uh, gaming guy. Like, I kind of wish that the scientist was here to comment on this one. But your thoughts on the death of E3? It's funny because my first line here was going to be, I never really paid much attention to E3 because I've always had DP. Um, ah. um, try it, whatever. You cast a big net. You catch some fish sometimes. Try the fish. Um, yeah. It is kind of sad for people who like to go and keep up with this kind of thing. But you guys have hit the nail on the head, these bigger companies. And have have learned that they can just do it on their own and, and not have to 
they can they can specifically market in in their own space without sharing it with other people. So why wouldn't you do that if you were capable of doing such things? I also think like the underground element of it's gone too. Like the underground element of being like a gamer and a nerd through the evolution of, you know, just online gaming blowing up and online tournaments and streaming and like the evolution of Marvel and and the movies and things of that nature, like pop cultures become these pop cultures become these things that used to be more underground. You know what I'm saying? So I, I can see that being the death of, of that as well, where it, it used to be something special. Now it's, it's kind of a thing that's popular to everybody. Yeah. It's just, it, it's interesting. It's like, it's, it's sad to see it go, but it's not like there's some huge void that's going to be left behind. Uh, and, and so it is what it is. So raise your glass kids to E3. It never knew what hit it. Uh, last thing I do want to say, they just never adapted the way that San Diego seems to have adapted. Like San Diego was in real trouble because now Dave can back this up. You've got D23, you've got uh, D23 is the big one. Netflix has its own thing. Uh, so many different production companies started pulling out of a press, even DC films and the MCU started pulling themselves out of San Diego comic-con. The thing that happened with San Diego is they adapted and kind of went back to their roots as a comic book focused convention. And while they're not the juggernaut they once were, they're the, they're, they're surviving in a way that Eve three failed to survive. And you also have to remember San Diego comic-con is open to the public. You can't get tickets, but at least you can go, you know, and that, and with, with E3, you had to right. be uh, like, you know, I mean, I got to go a It'd couple times. Person. I got to go a couple times because I was blogging about video games. And I mean, that's how loose it was. They're like, oh, sure. Come on. And it's like, why don't you just open it up to the public if you're going to be that loose about it? So, you know, I don't, I don't know. But Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we got one more little bit of topic. James Gunn has done some talking and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to tell everybody why we are sad uh, this week. Uh, bandwagon nerds rolling on after this commercial break promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks c tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chairshot to save 10 percent. that's angrylemonade.net welcome back to bandwagon nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Patrick O'Dowd, joined by PC Tunney, David Ungar. Remember, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com, forward slash the ChairShot, buy a ChairShot shirt, buy the Bandwagon Nerds ChairShot shirt, and we will thank you publicly on these internet airwaves. Gentlemen, here's what I love about James Gunn and his new role within the DC Universe. He does this thing... We're like, he, he does like one or two interviews every couple months. But within those interviews, he just opens up a, a plethora of conversation pieces for, for this show. And I thank him for it. And this past week was no different as I'm assuming, again, I think these all came out of the same interview, but if, but the, with the way the internet works and it's in desperate need for clicks, uh, I found this to be a thing. We do somebody does an interview, we parse up the interview so that we can do like eight different articles about the same interview, and we link them all to that interview. So good on them. 
But uh, this actually, uh, James Gunn is also really good at giving you nuggets on Twitter, X Twitter, threads, et cetera, et cetera. And today was no different, uh, or this week was no different, as we'll start with this comment he made about superhero films. And I think he was specifically responding in regards to the DCEU that he is taking over, kind of being in love with this concept of cameo porn that it is one of the worst elements of recent superhero films. And he he said he basically defined cameo porn as if a character is in a film, they have to have a reason to be there story-wise. And, you know, it's funny. The first thing I thought of when I read this was Valkyrie's appearance in the Marvels. Like, a completely unnecessary minute and a half of Valkyrie in the Marvels that Marvel promoted in a trailer when they were desperate to get any traction of people to watch this. But really outside of her taking the, you know, taking scroll refugees in over to new Asgard, there was really no purpose for her. the DC cinematic universe seemed to be very, very guilty of this all the damn time, whether it be in a post-credit scene, post-credit scene, Shazam, black Adam, like we, we just pimping out Superman left and right at the end of show at the end of movies to, to kind of get that like cheap reaction from its audience. James Gunn says this is bad for superhero films. Others might argue that it's an Easter egg or something for fans to get excited about and point out and see. I think there's a line, a fine line. Dave, where do you stand on Gunn's assertion of cameo porn in superhero films? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it a nothing? Your comment, sir. I, I mean, like, I think with the MCU in the early, you know, at least through the Infinity Saga, I would completely disagree with him as far as anything post-credit because virtually any cameo you saw in a post-credit scene pushed that narrative forward, pushed that story forward. It made you realize, okay, we're going to go here next. It, you know, it's like saying Thanos's appearance at the end of Avengers was cameo porn. No, it wasn't. That was the whole thing that redefined the entire saga. I mean, everything changed in that one moment. Now, has it been abused lately? Probably. I would think there's some really meaningless stuff, you know, people showing up uh, for no reason. DC is definitely guilty of that. I think, you know, at least through the DCEU where you get these little snippets of stuff that just don't seem to go anywhere. And I'm trying to think of like specific examples of of things that, that they've done over the years where... You just get an appearance and, and then, you know, it doesn't go. I mean, Martian Manhunter at the end of the Snyder Cut. Okay, that was cool. My shirt would tell me that I'm a Martian Manhunter fan. Um, but really, that didn't go anywhere because of the whole Snyder verse. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's overreaching on this one. I don't see that there's just this plethora of cameos that just show up out of nowhere and don't go anywhere. Like you mentioned Superman. You don't even see his head in half of them. It's just the S, you know, the chest out there. And, and like at the end of Shazam, and it's just something that, you know, with DC, it's a problem because there is no continuity. There hasn't been any continuity. It just doesn't matter. I would disagree with uh, that notion as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with the exception of, like you said, Valkyrie was just like, what's the point of this? You know, you get to see her for a couple of minutes and who the hell cares? You know, it does. it doesn't, it doesn't further anything. So I... I think he's overreaching on this whole thing. I, I don't see the cameos as being a huge problem, but he's entitled to his own opinion. I mean, at the flip side, Stan Lee, the Stan Lee cameos, you cannot say 
anything negative about every single cameo he was in. That's totally oh, but different. Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off on the Stan Lee thing because I don't I don't think those are the cameos he's talking I know, about. I know, like I know. he's talking he's talking about because I, I sat there and I thought back about this and and part of like I, I'm gonna come back on this current iteration of the MCU. How many? And maybe it's because we haven't gotten to where they're gonna pop up yet. But like, how many different characters have just been in a a, a Marvel film as either a one-off or part of a post-credit scenes where we don't know where they're going? I talked about one of the biggest cameo troll jobs of all time. I mean, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse yeah. of Madness gave us Mister Fantastic, Black Bolt, Captain Britain. Fucking Monica, or not Monica Rambo. Um, uh, I can't fuck. Can't remember her name now. Photon. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, yes. give us all these and just fucking that, unceremoniously yes. killed them. Right. Like that's that's what I think he's getting at. And I think the DC's been worse about it than Marvel has. But like, what the fuck is Pip the Troll gonna do? What the fuck is Cleo gonna do? Uh, coming up, right. you know, call her now. Like, we don't know. It's so I do think there is some, some and, dangerous and Modok. Like you could Mod- argue Modok was a Venom, cameo. Venom's appearance at the end of No Way at the end of his movie and then Venom, No Way yes. Home. It was a big example of that. Complete waste of time. Complete waste of time. Tony, jump in. I, I, you were about to jump in. No, that's fine. Um, you guys are having a good conversation there. I I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Like. No. Bring, bring all the stars out. Big fucking deal. Honestly, my perspective of this is there are much bigger problems than cameo porn in the MCU and DCU. So, like, you know, while we're worried about the loose uh, side view mirror that every time you hit a bump, it, it fades down and you got to, you know, move it back up so you can see behind you on the left, the fucking right wheel's coming off and we're not worried about that, right? So... This is a very frivolous thing. I, I get both of your points to where it can be unnecessary and overused and become annoying, but I'm always a guy who loves a callback. And, you know, intent is a big thing here, too, because we don't know what the intent is at the time. We've gone through, especially lately, a lot of things have been up and down and confirmed one day and unconfirmed the next day and, and not knowing where you're going. So I feel like some of it you could defend with saying you're trying to do the opposite of painting yourself into a corner and leave yourself out moving forward if it's something you really want to use. And then you got leverage. It's already on film. It's been seen by the people for something that you can use in the future if you need to. That being said, I could definitely get where you're coming from, Patrick, it being a fine line of overusing these things. Yeah, I I think um, looking at ourselves, I'm going to actually turn the mirror on ourselves a little bit. How fucking excited and nuts do we get over those appearances when like say we review a movie oh we love it because and, and what does it do what does it do for us like honestly like dave you were about to put the microphone yeah, what? like what do we do with it you start speculating so you start yeah. speculating and i think like you're saying pat the difference is there's a fine line between is this a pointless cameo or is this a tease of something coming in the future and you don't know and i think what right. gun is saying is a lot of these cameos have been the former they've gone nowhere and what's the point of all that? Right. There's been so much. And I do think, like I said, I think that DC has been particularly guilty of this. Uh, but Marvel is is sort of tripped into that a little bit. It'll be interesting to see as we figure out what's going on with Marvel. Because Deadpool, let's talk about Deadpool real quick. That's a, that's going to be a lot of cameos. Like a lot of cameos. And I think it's going to be tongue-in-cheek because that's what Deadpool is. And we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about how hilarious it was that this person showed up and then this person showed up and then that one showed up. 
Uh, but I, I also see that being hopefully it's it's done in a way that's sort of parodying that concept as opposed to trying to make it more than what it is. Uh, the other thing that James Gunn did confirm this week, though, fellas, is the casting of Lex Luthor in Superman Legacy, and it will be Nicholas Holt. Uh, we talked about this earlier when the rumors were spreading about it possibly being Nicholas Holt. I think this is great. I think this is great news. I think this is a great actor to cast. Nicholas Holt is a hell of a young actor, and and yeah, I think he's going to be able to pull this off. I uh, I was one of those people. You want to talk about things that Zack Snyder made me angry about? I hated Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I think there's been no secret there. I thought he was a terrible Lex Luthor. I didn't like him at all. I did not like his weird, manic, uh, Mark Zuckerberg-esque sort of portrayal. And yes, I, I recognize that Eisenberg played Mark Zuckerberg. That's why I made the comparison. I felt like he just played the same character again when playing Lex Luthor. I did not like his portrayal at all. I'm looking forward to Nicholas Holt's take on it all. I'm going to save Dave for last as our resident Superman fanboy slash expert. Tunny, Nicholas Holt, your next Lex Luthor thoughts on this casting. Um, Sure. <laughs> I don't David know. Ongar, I, thoughts I, I on this casting. I, I don't have a lot of... Uh... What what do we know Holt famously from? You know, he's young. He's what is he like thirty four, which is fine. Well, he's I think been that's... in Warm Bodies. He's been in Mad Max Fury Road. He's been in Renfield. He's been in Jack the Giant Slayer. He's been in the Menu. He's been Beast. Oh, that in was, okay. That was him in the movies. Menu. Okay, okay. Like, um, he's been. Like, he's got quite a. Here, I'll I'll give it up to Dave by saying this. The one thing I wanted to say about it, I like the fact that the age of the actor that they that they hired to play this character and. It seems like they're not going, and we already said we're starting with a younger Superman, aren't we? So yes. it's going to be really cool to see that relationship evolve into what it ends up being. So I, I think it's a great, great call. I think he's going to do a great job. Yeah, I think it started his career as a child actor too. Yeah, about a boy, I think. He like been. Jesse Eisenberg, I agree with you. I hated his portrayal of Lex Luthor, and then I stopped and realized, well, he's playing Alexander Luthor. He's not really playing Lex, and that's not an acquittal of his performance because it just, it didn't work for whatever purpose. Let's put it that way. But if we're talking Lex Luthor and you got Nicholas Holt playing him uh, and we're looking at younger, a younger, uh, earlier point in Superman's career, you know, Superman and Lex's relationship has been very complex over the years. And they, you know, we think of them as these arch enemies, like embroiled in this never ending conflict, like Batman and Joker. And they're really not like that, you know, and, and there is a lot of respect uh, between them and they were friends for one point in time and they kind of go in different directions. So go ahead, Tony. I think about Smallville and the story they told there with Superman and Lex Luthor and how he's almost a mentor to Superman at one point before he has, a you know, the cape and, and, and full control of his abilities, to be honest. Right. He's like a big brother. Right. Right. And I think if they flesh that out, you're going to get an entirely different sort of story that that we're looking at. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Gunn has quietly put together a really solid cast for Superman legacy of young actors, hungry actors, all wanting to make a name for themselves. They all have talent, but they probably haven't reached anywhere close to the apex of their talent levels yet. This movie will probably give them a lot of latitude to stretch their wings and really show what they can do. So 
I like the casting and, and I, I'm optimistic about where he's going with this movie and, and the the cast that he's put together is really promising. Yeah, I um Nicholas Holt's probably the biggest name that we've caught on so far out of out of the people that have been cast for this film in terms of the primary roles. So that's a that's it's, to me it's just huge. It's just it's it's great, great stuff. So We'll we'll have to see. I think um, yep, we've got him. I'm looking at IMDb right now. They've officially put him in the cast, confirmed by James Gunn. But as I look at you know, I'm looking at the rest of this cast. You know the the perf the periphery characters have been the ones that have been more notable, like Nathan Fillion, Sean Gunn, right? Like those folks. Eddie Gathigi is Mister Mister Terrific. He's the person you'd be like, oh, I don't know who that is. And then you'd see him. You'd be like, oh, okay, I know who it is. So, I, yeah, great, great casting. Good call on his part. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this, uh, how it plays out. I will probably watch this one. Just probably, I'm, I'm probably in. All right. We've been talking about this last uh, this last story off and on, but we in particularly have been talking about Andre Brower uh, quite a bit on this series Um uh, because I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine with a little doubt. And PC Tunney has often said, as we talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, how much fun do you think Andre Brower was having playing Captain Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? And the answer was always, like, it looked like he was having the time of it, that it was terrific. And uh, we we learned, sadly, this past week that Andre Breyer, Brower, sorry, passed away. Apparently he had lung cancer uh, and succumbed to lung cancer very, very quickly and, and died at the the surprisingly young age of 61. Uh, and to quote Captain Holt, this makes me sad. I, I am sad. Uh, I remember him in his very first acting role as he played a supporting character role alongside Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman in the movie Glory as Thomas Searles, who was a bookish free black man in Boston who thought he had this rose, he had these rose colored glasses a view of what going to war was going to mean and joined the military and he was not ready for what he faced uh and his growth as a character throughout that that whole movie is is phenomenal he was an actor on the stage i remember him in the film primal fear where he plays assistant to richard gears he's the he's the investigator for richard grill richard gears uh lawyer character in that film uh before you know, you start to see him in television series like Homicide, Life on the Streets, and of course, Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know, we don't—I don't always talk about like uh, actors. We've there have been people who arguably are more famous than Andre Brower in terms of actors that have passed away that we haven't talked about on this show, and yet for some reason, this one felt impactful to me because of how much he's one of those actors that I've often been like, "Oh, I know that guy. I've seen that guy." He's a terrific actor. He's amazing. And then finally, you know, and then Captain Holt comes along and I'm like, I love this character. Uh, we're in the, the little down and I are in the middle of, I think, season three or season four, uh, where they're working the night shift and Captain Holt and his husband uh, are fighting an awful lot. And it's not until somebody, uh, I'm forgetting which character is like, they need to bone. Um, and Captain Holt is just so insulted about it. He keeps like, yelling at the police officer that suggested it and then screaming bone at the top of my uh, at the top of his lungs and it's just fucking hilarious it's great great stuff the dude was a phenomenal actor he had impeccable comedic timing 
and it sucks and it's sad that he that he's passed so so soon and so early like 61 is not old guys and that just that sucks it's sad i'm sad i'm sad as well i think a lot of people got to see a different side of him on on brooklyn 99 um he was on the practice for a while too he has countless movie credits um but one thing i think we can relate him even more to the bandwagon nerds and what we talk about mainly on this show even though we cover cover a plethora of pop culture things is hey dave superman batman apocalypse dark side that was andre brower he was uh wasn't he the lawyer in the mist the real arrogant yes. guy who was just wouldn't mm-hmm. listen to anything that was going on and then met an untimely end yeah i i haven't watched brooklyn 99 but i like him like pat i i've always really liked lori a lot so i know exactly what you're talking about yeah 61 is sad lung cancer that's just um that's rough taking out that quickly now, out of nowhere now like i got to now I got to go back and watch uh, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, and see if uh, Darkseid uses contractions when he talks. Don't know, <laughs> maybe that's a that's a Brooklyn Nine Nine joke, sir. You got to watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like at you some point, it, you really Dave, should check it. that show out. You can watch it with the wife; she'd like it too. I think Andy Samberg is fucking hilarious. Who plays Everybody's Gina? Fucking Who plays Gina? Uh, What's that? Uh, that's, oh, Peretti. Chelsea Peretti. Is that Peel's wife? I think Chelsea Peretti's married to Jordan Peel. Yeah, I think is so. she really? Yeah. Hold on. Now now I'm going to IMDb her. I didn't know that. See, to see if I'm right? I might be wrong. No, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not legitimately arguing with you about it. I just, I have no idea. Let's see. Um, oh, Rosa Diaz is the one who, like, suggests they bone, and he, like, gets mad at her and, like, yells at her yeah, the whole time. Jordan Peele. Her spouse is Jordan. Chelsea Peretti is married to Jordan Peele. How about that? Oh. I have no idea. Oh, she's a great art. She's a, she's my age. Oh, great author. Or a great, uh, great writer. Cool. Um, anyway, yeah, so Dave, did you really get a chance to comment on Andre? Oh, he was also, um, sadly, not one of his highlight credits, but in, in terms of the he was in um, Fantastic Four Ride of the Solar Surfer. Um, he was like the general or something, right? He's yeah, also, he, was, he was an arrogant. Yeah. He was also in a sitcom that lasted less than three seasons with Ray Romano called Men of a Certain Age. So he, he didn't yep. have all hits, but he had a bunch of really good hits. He was just such a such a unique actor. In a great way. Very much so. Dave, your comments before we before we call it. No, I I, I commented. I think uh yeah, it's sad, it sucks. It makes me it does. sad too. Uh, that's right. So from all of us to the bandwagon, uh Captain Holt, you're sad. All right. We're gonna wrap this week's episode of Bandwagon Nerds up by doing what we always do, and that's talking about what we're watching. Dave, what you watching? Nothing this week, man. I didn't watch anything of uh Wrestling. I watched mostly wrestling this week, I think. So that All was right, moving on. Uh, PC Tunny, what you, what you watching, bud? I did watch the uh, four-part MasterChef Junior special, Home for the Holidays. It was pretty fun. They did some different fun things. If you have youngsters that enjoy cooking, or even just if you're going to make cookies for the holidays, it's, it's a fun watch with your kids. Or if you just enjoy cooking shows, it's really good. Uh, we got the finale of Survivor coming up this week. It's been a really another really good season. And that's I've kind of been living in the reality side here. I can tell you, uh, somebody feed Phil season four is it is coming out next January as well. So there you go. Can't wait for that on Netflix. I take it back. I did nice. watch. I did rewatch the Incredible Hulk this week. Which uh, huh. whatever happened to Betty Ross? Why haven't we brought her back yet in the MCU? That that's one of the things that I just I don't understand that 
that story. I gap, mean, there's there's there, there's tons of characters of like, why haven't we brought back such and such? Who knows when they'll appear? Too much cameo <laughs> cameos. Too much cameo form. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, the little old dad and I hit the theaters once again. We checked out Timothy Chalamet's new film Wonka. So the little old dad was kinder to it than I was. The little old dad described it as mid. He didn't hate the movie. He didn't. Like it. To him, it was fine. It was if this crazy. movie wasn't, if this movie wasn't titled Wonka, I would probably like it. Because this movie is titled Wonka and is an attempt to be a prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I kind of hated it because it, it it it's Timothy Chalamet is great actually, and I will say this: the songs are fine, they're fun. There's great choreography. It's full of bright colors. It's it's got everything that you would think would be a great recipe for a holiday film to watch, check out, and be palatable. But because it tries to shoehorn itself into the lore of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it misses so badly. It tries to rewrite history, like things that were talked about in Willy Wonka. Like if, if you were a fan of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you've watched that movie as many times as people my age, Dave, I don't know how many times you guys have seen this movie. Like I've seen it dozens upon dozens. And so let's start with something simple like Oompa Loompa. Now in Willy Wonka and oh, we get the, we get the Oompa Loompa song. We do. We get it multiple times. Hugh Grant, very funny as an Oompa Loompa. The problem is we, we retcon in this movie, how Willy Wonka met the Oompa Loompas because Dave, I'm going to ask you, do you happen to recall what Willy Wonka says he how he brought the Oompa Loompas to his factory? Do you remember what he what it was? In the Gene Wilder movie? Yes, in the Gene I, Wilder movie. I don't. I mean the Johnny Depp one I remember very well, but I don't remember what did he say? He res he rescues them from the horrible life and living conditions that they're in. That that he invites them to come live with him away from all the snaz wranglers and evil, vermicious canids. In this one, he makes a business partnership with fucking Hugh Grant, Willy Wonk, uh, Hugh Grant Oompa Loompa, because that Oompa Loompa gets picked on for being short and lost four cocoa beans in the Oompa in Loompa Land. It's just, it's not even anything to do with it. It's just like, and I'm like, fuck you very much. Like seriously, it was like, fuck you very much in this movie. Slugworth, Slugworth, right? Slugworth is part of a, a cartel. That's being run by two other chocolatiers and they're not competing chocolatiers. They're all three like running a monopoly and shady books. And that's like, and they're trying to stop. Like they had a story where, where Slugworth could be trying to work against him. You know, there was Slugworth, there was Sizzler, there was these other candy guys in this one. They're all in cahoots. They're all in cahoots. They're all working together under one shadow corporation run by Slugworth. The little girl, the little girl that's with Willy Wonka that you see in the in the in the commercials, that um, Slugworth's niece, she's related to Slugworth. No, no, not fucking breathing on this one. I'm about to pull out my fucking retainer and be pissed off because God damn it, we fucked up Willy Wonka because we couldn't just tell a story with the savage lore. Like you could have used what was done if you are saying this is a prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You could have done that. Chalamet was great. Chalamet didn't make me angry that that he was the character that he was. 
but you said fuck all to what you could have worked with. And this isn't even playlist mentality. Lore. This is metachlorian bullshit. Don't piss on lore. You pissed all over the lore. So you know what? Fuck you, Wonka. Fuck you. I really hope that's the fucking title of this episode. Fuck you, Wonka. And Dave, I think Patrick's upset. <laughs> I think so, too. Very upset. I mean, he's invoking midichlorians in this conversation. Wow. That's Patrick bad. has been on an emotional roller coaster this episode. I just, by the way, I just got a text from the Mrs. O'Dowd telling me to quiet down. You, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. too noisy. What number are we? So, what number bandwagon nerds is this? 214. I don't know. Okay, bandwagon nerds, two fourteen. Patrick's emotional roller coaster. Two hundred and fourteen uh, ways uh, that Patrick hated I mean, Wonka. Before we made him feel some kind of way, he got all flush, and now he had to bust out the fucking retainer. This has been this has been his one quality. last appearance from Retainer Boy. This I, quality quality radio. Stop talking. Stop. Stop talking for a second, because I need to read this text to you. <laughs> this is the text I received while um while going on my rant. I need to call my mother. Can you fucking stop yelling? I can hear you from the bathroom. Now, hey, mind hey, you, the bathroom is on the very top story of the house, and I'm in the basement. So hey, the hey, other thing isn't a what you're watching. It wait, is wait, what wait, I'm reading. Okay. It should have been, it should have read, hey, asshole, put the retainer away. I'm trying to call my mom. <laughs> it, it, that's not what she wrote. Um, the other thing is not a what I'm watching. It is a what I'm reading. And I told this to Dave not too long ago, uh, earlier this week. Uh, Getty Lee, lead singer and bassist of, the progressive rock band Brush, uh, Rush just put out an autobiography called This F in Life. And it has been a terrific, terrific, terrific book. Uh, it's about 500 pages long. I've got about 100 pages to go. And some of the stories that are in this book about his life, it's just, it's just mind-blowing to me. Particularly, uh, the third chapter of the book is all about how his parents came together and got married despite both surviving the Holocaust in Poland and the, the, like the circumstances between the two of them, not only finding each other, but then finding each other again after world war two with British soldiers arriving and liberating camps. Like his mom was in fucking Auschwitz and his dad was carted around to multiple labor camps and they weren't even in the same camps when the war ended and they found each other it's just it's it's a it's an incredible story um just got through a chapter about i didn't know this because like i i I like the band and their music but i didn't know this about like like the inner workings of their life but neil pert like in the late 90s lost his daughter in a car accident and then less than 10 months later his wife died of cancer like just horrifying and how that not only impacted Neil, but also the band and and having to support him and pull him out. It's it's a great book. Uh, if you like, I love reading biographies. I love reading memoirs. This is a good one. It's worth taking the time to check out and read My F in Life by Getty Lee. Do yourself a favor. Give it a read. It's so, so you, good. You recommended this to me. I'm going to read it. I'm going to recommend something to you in return. Ghost Rider, Neil Peart's Story. Yeah, I've heard about that book. And, it, and actually, Lee references it in this book. It's phenomenal. I mean, and 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 you go on this journey with Neil, who, like you're saying, the loss of his daughter, the loss of his wife, you know, and then the journey he goes on to actually find happiness again and find, you know, despite all that, he does find a, a, a new wife who he resonates with right up to the end of his days. So 
Um, yeah, Rush is a, a you know, Ale- Getty Lee, in my opinion, is still the greatest bassist of all time. I, that's just that's just me. And, I, you know, because Rush is one of my favorites. So, yeah, I definitely want to check it out. But, yeah, the story of his parents is, you know, the odds of that are astro. It's like the lottery, the odds surviving Auschwitz, surviving everything else, reuniting on the other side, that sort of thing. Astronomically minuscule, the odds of that. So. It's a great story. Getty's a, a fascinating guy. I mean, really a fascinating guy. And, he really is. And I, I, it's something I'm definitely going to check out. Yeah, absolutely. You will you will not regret it. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Guys, next week, we will be airing on Christmas Day. And in honor of that, everyone, we are going to do the second ever Bandwagon Nerds holiday project where we are going to make a Jewish man tell us all of his favorite Christmas movies for an hour it's going to be awesome we're also a- going to be coming joined. back <laughs> we are also going to be joined by one dj of the mindless wrestling pod a podcast i hear is quite good uh, i'm sure someday i'll listen to it but we are going to be regaling you all with our top 10 holiday films of all time so make sure to give us a listen on christmas day in between unwrapping presents and your 17th eggnog because it's going to be a great show. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to head out of here now, though, everyone. So before we go, let's do a quick once around the table. Tell everybody where they can find us on the ChairShot Radio Network, uh, as well as the socials. This week, we will start with the lawyer, David Ungar. Well, you can find me on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G, Facebook.com, slash Attitude of Aggression, and at Attitude of Aggression, all one word on Instagram and threads. And of course, if you disagree with PC Tunney's opinions about Doom Patrol, send your hate tweets to at It's Me DPP. Why, Tunney? Fuck that guy. And That's he's not cool. here to talk us about, tell us about E3 as well. So double fuck. Yeah, man. no E3, no more E3, no DP. Uh, you can follow me at PC Tunney, wherever you follow people. Um, yeah, there you go. Don't forget Chairshot Radio Network and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. That's right. And you can follow me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also follow that handle over on Instagram and threads as I am there as well. Make sure you also follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds, where the poll this week might be to help us name our upcoming uh, end of year awards show because we certainly can't do it. I think our best option so far has been the word salad that PC Tunney threw, has thrown out there on more than one occasion. So we need some help, people. Help us not call our awards show the streamies so that we don't get sued. We don't want to get sued. Uh, but that's that's two episodes in the future. That's New Year's Day. We're going to be looking at Christmas Day uh, next week. So we got a little time. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Where It's Now. Get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and make sure to check out some Brooklyn Nine-Nine or some Homicide Life on the Street or Glory or any of the number of great work done by Andre Brower. Phenomenal, phenomenal actor, and it'll be worth your time. This has been Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com.
What's this meeting about? Did someone find my meatball sub? A, we would never have a meeting about that. B, you are holding it. Oh, <laughs> meeting adjourned. Meeting's not over, dummy. Terry said he has some news from the office of Commissioner Wunsch. Ugh, what does that human blister want now? Does she intend to demote me even further? Or perhaps she'll transfer me to the swamps of New Jersey so I can patrol the sinkhole where she was spawned. Or it's possible the announcement has nothing to do with you. Oh, good thing you brought her. You're right. Maybe Madeline wants to inform us all that she's a chooksin. A what? A chooksin. A Korean toilet ghost. Lives in an outhouse, wraps her hair around your throat, and chokes you to death while you move your bowels? You know what? I will give you $6,000 if the announcement is she's a chooksin. Okay, everyone. I have some news. The Madeline Wunsch is a Korean toilet ghost? Boring. We already knew that. Madeline Wunsch is dead. Say what now? Wait, Wunsch is dead? Yeah. The commissioner's office just notified us. No way that's true. As one says when she sees deodorant, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Sir, she's dead. Oh, Terry, zombies can't die. This is some sort of scam. If she were dead, we would be hearing the sounds of children singing in the streets. I don't know, sir. You didn't believe it when we told you the disco strangler died either. And I was right. He was faking it. Maybe she's alive. Why would Wunsch fake her own death? The same reason she visits Mexico once a year and sucks the blood from all the goats. For kicks. Look, I don't know what to tell you, but she's dead. What do you want? To open up her coffin and check for yourself? Oh, she's very dead. Ding dong, the wunch is dead. Bagels for everyone. So I guess you believe it now. Yep. Want to see the selfies I took? Actually, yes. I'll share the album with you. Oh, my God. I just heard about wunch. She was so young. For a redwood tree? Uh, I don't understand what's going on. Why are you crying? A person is dead. I feel sad. That's insane. You don't feel sad when a monster dies in a monster movie. In E.T., do you feel sad when E.T. dies? Yes. He wasn't a monster. He caused a real commotion. It isn't just Wunsch. I started seeing a fertility doctor, and she has me taking hormones to help with ovulation, and my emotions are in overdrive. Well, I know just the thing to cheer you up. Wunsch is dead. Bagel. 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 Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.